And I quote, There is something unique that occurs when hard-nosed criminals get to talk openly about feelings and experiences. And those who've been interviewed inside know that no communications consultant in the world can prepare you for the questions from the robbers. That, dear listener, is a quote from Röver Radion, a prison radio station in Norway, and uh, Oslo was host to the first ever international prison radio conference. It was an historic event and brought together participants from 19 countries to share both the experience and the potential of prison radio. Representing Australia at the conference was one of our next guests, Dr Heather Anderson from Griffiths. Heather specialises in prison radio. She's an advisory board member of Prison Radio International and a coordinator of the Australian Prison Radio Network. Heather's been a, uh, a community radio practitioner since the early 90s. Thanks for coming on, Heather. Since Norway kindly hosted the conference, we thought we'd ask them to join to tell us how prison radio and the prison system itself operates there. We welcome Mina Harjan, a Norwegian-Iranian radio personality who's worked at MTV Europe in London, France's Channel 24, and has been the host of numerous talk shows on TV and radio in Norway, and she has a reputation for being controversial. Mina is the founder and CEO of the prison radio station Röva Radion in Oslo. And our third guest is a community leader, writer, director, actress, educator, comedian and a First Nations broadcaster. She's a lead presenter on this year's Beyond the Bars program, a unique series of live prison radio broadcasts that give voice to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates in Victorian prisons every year during NADOC week. She really describes herself as a cheeky black female comedian stuck in a white man's capitalist world. So, Shirley Hood, welcome to the Little Wireless Programme. Who are your people, Shirley? Uh, hello, everyone. Nyunga Kurnai Gunditjamara. So, Nyunga is from Perth. Kurnai is South East Gippsland and Warrnambool for Gunditjamara. It's great to have the three of you on the program. Heather, let's start with you. Paint us a picture of prison radio in Australia. How and where does it operate? In Australia, we have a really different type of system to that in Norway and also in the UK, which has been very um, one of the leaders in, um, in prison radio. Um, the model that we've seen overseas tends to be radio that's produced completely inside prison and only heard within within the walls, with Norway being a bit of an exception there. In Australia, we don't have any formal prison radio set up inside any prisons in Australia, as far as I'm aware. But what we have had is for at least the last 40-odd years has been different relationships with community radio stations around the country working with either prisons, prisoner organisations or their friends and family 
And then we had Beyond the Bars begin, um, and I'm sure Ali will be able to correct me exactly on this, but I'm thinking about 25 years ago, which really started the first time that we heard broadcasts from inside prisons. Now, Heather, there are shows like Locked In on 4ZZZ in uh, Brisbane, where you volunteer, Doing Time, 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne. Tell me about Jailbreak. Jailbreak is a Sydney program. It's been running for oh, about 20 years. It's funded through the Community Restorative Centre and its remit is formally to, to assist with the, with the deliverance of health messages, especially around HIV and, and hepatitis and other blood-borne viruses. Uh, but they take a really holistic approach to health, so they focus on the whole health of a person. And through that funding, they've been able to produce audio through 2SER and Koori Radio, working with people who are either incarcerated or have been formerly incarcerated to, to continue producing those messages um, that help support the health and well-being of people who've been imprisoned and also to give them a voice. Forgive my ignorance, but I didn't realise we uh, we don't have a national prison system. And why is it important to understand that, Heather? I think that the main reason is that some of the work that's happening in the UK and Norway is uh, it's really exciting. And the first response is, let's do that in Australia. But we have to remember that, say, in the UK, where they've got about 80,000 prisoners, that's um, England and Wales, uh, they're setting up the infrastructure to set up a prison net radio network is for 80,000 people. Whereas, say, in, for Queensland, if we wanted to do something, it would need to be state-based. And that's only about 8,000 prisoners, which is you know, still a lot of prisoners. But in terms of bang for your buck, so to speak, it's very difficult to to encourage the um, you know the government departments to invest that amount of money for a, a much smaller population of people. Now, are we talking about radio that is made by prisoners for prisoners, or are we talking about radio that is made by people on the outside for people on the inside? Uh, in Australia, it's a little bit of both. Ideally, what we would really love to see is more um, prisoners' voices being heard by other prisoners and also by people on the outside. Uh, um, at the moment, the, and especially since COVID, where a lot of programs have been locked, you know, have been shut down, it's much more people who've been formally incarcerated producing audio that can be listened to both inside and outside. But once again, I think Beyond the Bars have been doing, you know, the best work in Australia to overcome those issues. Now, before we move on, Heather, how did you get involved in prison radio in the first place? Oh, well, I was exposed to um, prison radio broadcasts at 4ZZZ in Brisbane. We're locked in now, broadcasts from. And... Um, it was it was a topic that I didn't know very much about, but I, I I just I felt that very strongly that the way that we treat people whose liberty we take away says a lot about us as a society, and um, and as a broadcaster, it felt like an important way that I could you know, give back to the community radio station that had given me so much training and, and so much experience. 
Now let's bring in uh, Mina Harjan. Uh, how did you go from regular talk show host to working in prison radio in Norway? Well, first of all, I felt that the commercial radio in Norway was toothless and, and quite frankly, a bit boring and very script-writing and not many in-depth stories, the real stories. Um, so I started out as a volunteer in Halden Prison and uh, it shot off from there. I understand that you got sacked in a very public way. Yes. I uh, have a big mouth when it comes to <laughs> doing radio and uh, always speak the truth and enjoy interviewing people on the side of society. So when my boss fired me, I felt like I'd been muzzled and my voice had been taken away. So when I started in prison, I quickly realized that I felt like we were in the same boat. We had lost our voices. Well, so you then promptly started uh, Rover Radion. What does the name mean for us non-Norwegian speakers? Well, Rover uh, is a rascal. It's something you don't have to be incarcerated to be. So I'm a rascal. I, I'm, I think you're a rascal too. Okay, so you uh, like to point out <laughs> that you don't have to be a prisoner to be a rascal. No. Point taken. Now, Mina, how does the Norwegian prison radio system work? Is it just heard in the prison or on the outside as well? Well, when I started up, I wanted it to be heard in every prison cell, but then I quickly realised that they don't have the same system. So that's something I'm working on now. And it's also important that people on the outside of the prison walls hear the show to have a higher understanding of what we what happens to people that we lock in a room for some years. So I went to the national radio station in Norway that just fired me a couple of years before <laughs> that. And, and I told them that the, this was, uh, they have a responsibility to the Norwegian population, that the people who are incarcerated also have a voice and that the freedom of speech is a basic human right. So in, after like 10 meetings, they said yes. And so now we broadcast nationally. So every prison, every person living in prison and everybody on the outside can hear it. And you also make podcasts. Yes, so make podcasts with the formerly incarcerated when they come out about how it is the life on the outside and challenges they meet and bureaucracy they meet and, and all that. So, so yes, we try and do as much as possible. We, we also uh, make cartoons about sexual health and we, we had a, the first ever pride parade in a maximum security prison last year. So prison, prisoners are hosting the show and you and your crew facilitate and teach. Yes, we're a charity that's independent and we are not allowed to be censored. So the prison system goes through every show and the national radio station goes through all the shows, but they're not allowed to have an opinion. They can only say if there's any security breaches. Now, Mina, so when, you're, when you're teaching a prisoner how to make radio, you have an interesting process. Take us through it. What's the first thing you do? Well, my first thing is to get that prison face off because they're, they, I can understand, you know, you get to prison, you put your prison face on and uh, try and be 
tough and uh, have no emotions. So the first thing I do is tell them to write a letter to themselves as a preteen. Like, what have you learned now that you would tell to your former self? And that's that could take months, it could take weeks, and it takes at least a few days. And then I get them to read it up um, on the air. You're trying to create an environment of self-reflection. Definitely, because it's the place to self-reflect. You're going to be there for a while and it's good to reflect on how you got there and what you're going to do when you come out. So It's interesting, isn't it? Because all of us know how many great stories, great works of literature, in fact, have come out of prisons. Now, we'll talk more about the idea of how powerful and transformative participating in creating media can be. But first, Mina, what is the prison system like in Norway? It's, uh, I think it's uh, quite similar to the rest of the world in the way that it's closed off. Uh, like the a prison, it promises the public that you're going to be safe now because we've locked them away. But uh, what they don't think of is the basic human rights you have even though you're incarcerated. I understand that prisoners used to be locked up in isolation for 23 hours a day. It sounds like yes. Julian Assange in uh, in the UK. <laughs> yes, it's it's been 23 hours a day because every year uh, for the last 6 years the budget for the for the prison system has been cut in half. So internationally people come to Norway to see all the things that in that an incarcerated person can do in prison and the workstations and everything. But in real life, they're locked up. They were locked up for 23 hours a day. And we did a big, big expose on that um, in the media uh, through the people we have in the prisons. And so now it's 22 hours. So, I mean, baby steps. <laughs> but significant. Now it's time to go back to a cheeky black female comedian stuck on a white man's capitalist world. Shirley, uh, it brings us to the point that the reality of life inside is often known only to us through what we see on the telly, which is often far from reality. If you visit a prison in Australia, it's highly likely you'll encounter an Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander who are grossly overrepresented in our prison system. Shirley, you're broadcasting from prisons across Victoria all week as part of NADOC Week. Tell us about the Beyond the Bars show. Beyond the Bars is a, a great initiative from 3CR Community Radio uh, in Melbourne here. And uh, it is such an important project because we sort of were wondering, like, there's lots of family and lots of people missing family. And Aboriginal people, we're 1% to 3% outside, but we're like, well, the statistics are 27, but I think it's much higher than that. And they say it's gone up 41%. But it's like it's a continual thing. Aboriginal people in the prisons are... Uh, because there, there are lots of minor, um, like, reasons that they're taken into prison. So it's important that we find out those stories. Now, it 
broadcast from the Dame Phyllis Frost Centre at Deer Park, the, the woman's prison, but also from Barwon Maximum Security Prison and others. Yes, yes. So each day during NAIDOC week, we go and do like a three-hour uh, live broadcast, talking, speaking with the prisoners. Uh, I've been doing it for 15 years. 3CR have been going for 21 years and where it started with a small group at Port Phillip. It was an interesting way that it started and now it's progressed and it's been going for 21 years. Let's look again at the overrepresentation of Indigenous people in prison. The official figures are the First Nations adults make up around 2% of the national population but constitute 27% of the national prison population, 34% for women. And you say that's underestimated. Yes, yes, because um, the representation when you see in the prison, it's it's much higher. And then there are uh, places like in WA and Northern Territory that just have mainly Aboriginal people. And incarceration rates for Indigenous people went up 40% between 2006 and 2016. That's according to the Australian Law Reform Commission. Yes, see that. And with the heights of, like, deaths in custody, it's it, it was really sort of unsafe. And I think it's great to go in there and just to um, to see what's going on in the prisons, to open our eyes to that. Surely it's 31 years since the Royal Commission into deaths in custody, I'm, but the rates are, are still shocking. I know. And just this year there have been so many. Again, which as a First Nations person, like it, it, it starts a terrible domino effect on your families and well-being, you know. We've got a lot of people mentally stressed. Like at the moment there are over 500, over 501 uh, deaths in custody since we started counting in 83. Shirley, what are the ages of prisoners in Australia? What's the age range? Well, it goes all it goes all along. When I first started, people were calling me sis, sister, or uh, I would call them auntie. But now, all the young people they're getting younger and younger, and they're calling me auntie. So it's a uh, like the shock at how young they were was a, was a real eye opener this year. When we think about people in prison, we don't always think about women. And uh, you, Shirley, have just been to the women's prison at Deer Park, which I once visited many years ago. Tell us about the women you met there. Yes, all young women who who got lost in between, you know, because we're dealing with incarceration like uh, from young ages when we're taken away, uh, the government still formally take Aboriginal children away from their parents. They do it under DHS. And I've noticed a lot of the prisoners had that background and really didn't know who they were 
And when you don't know who you are, you don't know where you're going. And so I encountered a lot of people like that who had been as a ward of the state for many, many years. And then it goes on into the adult prison system. And, of course, most women in prison have been victims of domestic violence. Yes, that is major. And that was sad to see because many of them were in there for defending themselves. Surely, I guess prison radio is often, well, company with the Mm. prison radios having song requests and letters. That's right, yes. There are certain rules about, like, talking about the system and things that we we make sure and there's, like, no swearing, but we encourage them to speak about themselves and what they think and maybe what their opinions are about stuff and do shout-outs to family, have music. A lot of incarcerated people don't have music. And I'm astonished that... To, to, because I know you say this, that some have no connections to the outside world at all. That's right. And, like, some people who've come from Queensland have been locked in Victoria and they really don't know where to stand. People who've been there for a long time really enjoy our time when we come in because it, it, it's like another visitor for them. I guess many people on the inside aren't able to read or write, so having letters read to them on the the wireless becomes even more meaningful. Absolutely, absolutely. The sharing of words and feelings is, is a really important part of us as humans. So to have that go on while they're in prison is a real... Uh, I love to see how they grow inside over the years. You know, having our having people to talk to and talk about themselves, they get to know themselves. Mina, is illiteracy or understanding languages an issue in your prisons? It can be a challenge for for the people who are incarcerated that are from other countries. Um, they get uh, even more lock up time and less um, time to to go to school or do things like that. Um, I know that all the prisons have a literacy program, so if somebody wishes, they can do it. Um, I've also had a few uh, working in Röveradion, and what we do is then we read letters to them, we go through, like we we read a book, and we record it, and we send it to their kids with their dad's or mum's voice on it. We do things like that, but... Uh, I don't think illiteracy is a widespread problem in in Norwegian prisons. Surely hearing those letters was especially important during COVID. And we've got some audio here for Beyond the Bars. It's from a broadcast last year. Here are some voices from people on the inside about life in prison under COVID. Have you been in here during COVID for a while? Yeah, I've been in here... Well, almost since COVID began, started, so... Um, what was that like, Dwayne? Oh, it's been really hard, like, especially with the quarantine, you get... Um, what are talk about? Yeah, yep, yeah we get you. put into um, our quarantine for two weeks, so, you know, you can't have social with anybody. It's just like being in... Is that when you first arrived? Yeah, um? and then every day after that, like, when you get out, 
you know, we that start was doing half day lock in, so was confined to our cells for half day and So that means you get what four hours out or an hour? Yeah, roughly like a few hours, like four, five, six hours out, depending on where you are. So yeah, I did most basically the last twelve months like being in the slot, so which is quite unfair. No no visitors. Oh there's video visitors and that, but yeah, my mum's not really the best with technology, so because of COVID, uh, we, used to, we normally have a men's group like, once a week. All jails have it. But because of COVID, we've had no men's group for, what, a couple of months now? The voices of uh, men at Barwon and Port Phillip Prison in Victoria talking on Beyond the Bars, special broadcast from the prisons hosted by 3CR Community Radio. And my guest tonight is Shira Lee Hood, one of the hosts of the show, along with uh, prison radio specialist Dr Heather Anderson and uh, founder of Rover Radion in Oslo, Mina Harjan. Mina, you've already mentioned prisoners in Norway being locked up 22 hours a day, and that was before COVID. What was it like during COVID? Well, as everywhere else, it was quite a big crisis because they didn't know what to do because uh, nobody could have visitors anymore. They couldn't meet up for those two hours a day um, during the day. They had to be locked down. So a couple of days before the first lockdown, I called the, the, the correction, the Norwegian Department for Corrections and asked them, do you need some help now? Because people need information. If they don't get information, there's going to be... Yeah, there could be riots and what have you. So we, together with the Norwegian Correctional Service, we made a sound package that we sent out to every prison in Norway with the CEO of the Correctionals the Department and voices from inside the prison t- saying what they thought about lockdown and what you could do to improve your mental health while you're sitting there, everything from meditation to yoga to music to messages from the outside. So uh, the, the response to that was extremely good. Well, we know of the mental health crisis in the wider world, so one can imagine how much it intensified behind bars. And you were offering things like meditation and yoga. Yeah, anything you can do in that tiny little room, uh, we tried and and give them tips on that and also what your rights are when you're locked down. So I think that when we did that, it made the process of getting these iPads into the prison so they could at least speak to family and friends through the iPad. That that went faster because we were pressuring them quite a lot. Uh, And also most NGOs weren't allowed into prisons during COVID, but luckily we were because we pulled the freedom of speech card and said, this is when you need us the most. And, uh, and yeah, it went very well. Back to you, Heather Anderson. Lots of prisons around Australia run uh, programs, whether they be health programs or training programs. What happened to these during COVID? I guess that would also have impacted on prison radio. Yeah, yeah. So my understanding is that for the vast number of prisons um, I know in Queensland, definitely and anecdotally from other other states and territories, that um, most uh, non-essential services were closed down in prisons and that 
um, extended lockdowns was the was the most common way to handle um, a lot, you know, to handle the pandemic. Um, fortunately, community radio was deemed an essential service, so uh, community radio stations were still able to operate. And um, and you know, of course, so that made it a really important time to be able to keep those messages flowing between people on the inside and people on the outside. Back to you, Shirley. You've seen a lot of uh, mental health issues manifesting in your time hosting prison radio shows. And of course, you are a comedian. How important is humour to healing? Oh, so important. It really is uh, a medicine for everybody. Uh, I, when I first started, I wasn't a comedian, and then I became a comedian as through the years. And I noticed the difference. Like the the ladies and the gentlemen all wanted me to do comedy and give them a laugh, and they said just the a little giggle of something still will stay with them for months. I've always found that a little bit of sugar coating helps the medicine go down in a sense, doesn't it? it? It's a way of really aiding and assisting healing. That's exactly right. And I, I do comedy from a First Nations point of view and so I, I hit a lot of truths and, you know, and, and I'm a little bit edgy but always funny. So they, the, the prisoners have really enjoyed just having a bit of comedy, you know, Speaking of black humour, and forgive the abominable pun, but black humour is something you also see as important in the programs you run in uh, Norwegian prisoners, Mina. Definitely. My philosophy is that uh, to be able to be your true self on the air, on a radio show, you have to be able to laugh at yourself and also laugh uh, at whatever's funny. But first of all, to sit down and reflect, like we talk about, tell me about a crime you did that didn't go very well, you know, when you stole a car because it was raining and then <laughs> you try and set it on fire and your hair gets on fire and you're, you're on fire, basically. And the first time they tell me something like this, they're not laughing. And then when we tell it one more time and we record it, everybody's laughing and it's okay. So, and like I tell them when they're boasting about whatever they've done, I say, well, why are you boasting? You're a very, very bad criminal. You're in prison. <laughs> if you were a good one, I wouldn't see you. So they accept it because, because I'm not a guard or I'm just a journalist. So, so humour can open a pathway to honesty. Definitely, 100%. Are there rules around what you can and can't broadcast on prison radio in Norway, Mina? For example, can you talk about your crimes? I don't want them to talk about their crimes. They can talk about, in general, the crime and then maybe interview somebody that's also been a robber or whatever they're talking about. But sitting down and boasting about killing somebody or... That's not what we do. We, If somebody says, oh, this bloody, you know, this prison system, they're doing this, they're not answering this and they're not saying that, and we go, okay, who can we talk to about this? Let's sit back and then they have to reflect and they have to not ask stupid questions, basically. They have to think about it. You can't just blurt out anything. So they have the absolute best questions and I think it's the only time the Prime Minister of Norway has felt a bit stuck and she had to reflect a lot before she answered. 
God, you're a troublemaker, Mina. Now, <laughs> Heather, what about in Australia? What are the rules for prison broadcasting? I guess there's quite a few of them. Yeah, well, it really depends state by state. So in Queensland, you can't interview a prisoner without the express permission of correctional services, and that includes people who are out on parole as well. Um, so uh, it, that's where – but what they – what what can't they can't stop is from reading people's letters. So, and that's why uh, some of the most long-running shows are the request shows that that are providing you know providing a service to reading to reading people's letters on air and then reading people's messages on the outside to people inside. Um, because unless the prison doesn't send like doesn't allow the um, the letter to be sent which usually they do unless there's an issue of security within the letter then that bypasses and like any of the um, the correctional services legislation Mina I understand from the introduction in the program that uh, 90 countries were represented at your recent conference were there any conspicuous absentees in other words countries that don't have prison radio systems well, what happened, like for Israel, for example, they started up their prison radio a few years ago and just before the conference, it got taken over by the prison system. And the prison system in Israel sent me an email asking to come. And I told them very clearly in an email that uh, you have to be independent uh, to be able to, to, to have the freedom of speech 100% and the basic human right of, of being able to speak your mind, then uh, you are not welcome. So they are never going to be welcome to the Prison Radio International. Was the U.S. there? The U.S. was there. We had uh, San Quentin from San Francisco, uh, amongst others, and they make a podcast on the outside, and uh, which is doing very well. Heather, you worked, uh, or you've worked at Four Triple Z for many a year, where they've got the show called Locked In. I understand that one of your presenters was a former prisoner himself, who was a long-term listener and letter writer to the program during his incarceration. Yes, absolutely, and we've had a few former uh, former people who've been incarcerated. Um, in, on the show, but this particular presenter, he, he's still involved behind the scenes and, and he'd been, he had served a very, very long sentence of over 20 years and had been writing to Locked In for at least 10 years. And he told us he was getting out and he arranged special permission to be able to come to the station and get involved straight away. And during his time when he was first out, you can imagine when you go into prison before mobile phones exist and then you come out in the mid-2000s, it's a very different world and it was really hard for him to stay out. And one of the things that kept him out was that he promised his mates on the inside that he was going to do that show. He said, and I quote, I plan my life by the radio these days, my contact with the outside world in a sense, and because I've never been uh, normal... Four Triple Z isn't your normal radio station, so it seats me down to the ground. Yep. <laughs> how how powerful and transformative is an experience? Is it for people to participate in telling their own stories, Heather? I think that for people in general, and especially marginalised people, that it is vital for for them to have their own place and their own voice in the media because the media reflects culture 
And if we don't see ourselves reflected in the media, then that immediately isolates us and says that we're not part of society. Would you agree with that, Mina? Absolutely. Heather is saying exactly what's right. It's, uh, it's important to be a part of society, even though you're in prison, because you're going to get out. We're not living in the Middle Ages, luckily, where we just lock the door and forget about them. They, they are going to be your neighbour. They're going to be the parents of the kids that your kid is going to go to school with. So it's, it's a question of who do you want as your neighbour. Talking about kids... Uh back to you, Shirley, you've worked in the juvenile justice system and you want to get a kids' prison radio show going, don't you? Definitely, yes. I've been working uh, as, as a, an educator, cultural educator, uh, at the Parkdale and Malmesbury and their juvenile lock-up systems, which are just shocking to me, uh, seeing them so young and they're just innocent kids. You know, they, they've made mistakes and made a few bad decisions, but they're not always going to be there. And we should be preparing them for when they get out so that they've got something to hold on to. And at least like with radio, you've got a voice and your preparation and organising. Well, Beyond the Bars talks a lot about post-release. What they haven't got in place is support for people. Let's hear from a bloke from Loddon Prison talking about what he would like for himself when he gets out. Yeah, I'm off the methadone. I got on the methadone while I was in jail. I can see what the future holds for me. It's, yeah. you know, and I want it. I actually want it now, you know. I only just said to my missus this morning, I said, back them days, I didn't have to worry about nothing, you know, committing crime, eating drugs and that. I knew how to handle that. I could handle it. I could handle having no money or too much money, you know. The thing that scared me the most is having a missus, a kid and a family that is happy to see me walk in the door, you know, not yeah. what's he doing in there, ring the cops, you know. So that's a big difference. Like I've had that before. I had the missus, I had a kid and that. My son passed away about five years ago, you know, so I've had to deal with most of that while in jail. But I've got a woman that, you know, I, I want to have another kid. I want to be happy mm. and I feel like I deserve that now, you know, more than I did. I didn't really deserve it back then, but I do now. That is deeply moving. Mina, what are your hopes for Rascal Radio? Well, my hopes is that we can uh, help inspire other countries to do the same, but also that we get into every prison cell in Norway uh, in a direct line 24 hours a day. And uh, the correctional system has ordered this, but we need to find the money to, to do it, basically. So that's, uh, that's going to happen. It has been a great pleasure to talk to the three of you. My guest, Dr Heather Anderson, Advisory Board Member, Prison Radio International, Coordinator of the Australia Prison Radio Network, Mina Harjan, Founder and CEO of Rova Radio, Rova Radio, Prison Radio Station in Norway, and thanks to Shirley Hood, Actor, Director and radio presenter on 3CR's Beyond the Bars. And as it's NADOC week, let's finish with men from Loddon Prison reflecting on what NADOC week means to them. Yep, dogs from Machuca. For me, NADOC would be actually coming to terms with being Aboriginal. I was denied that as a kid. I was told I was Aboriginal, but was denied that by, it doesn't matter who, but someone in the family, so... As I got older, I started to explore that more and just 
really question it and come to terms with who I am, you know, as a man, as, yeah, as an Aboriginal man too, as I've got a bit older. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Brownie, um, Wondery man, grew up Gunai Kurnai. It's just like Aboriginal community coming to do. To come together in that, um, just to yeah, um, recognise you know what I mean, like to support what we've been through and everything like that, and support each other. And yeah, I'm I'm Darcy. I'm a Rudgery man from New South Wales. Uh, I was born up in Queensland. I uh, lived in Victoria my whole life on uh, Gunnar Kernel then. And really? yeah, that's that's basically it. NADOC for me is like celebration where you know, like we all come together, we all stand as one. As you know, like it's it's a celebration. It's well to me, it is. You know, whether family or first, everyone first meeting each other for the first time, it's we're all we're all here, we're all here, and we're still here. Our culture's still strong. That's that's what NADOC means to me. It's identity, identity, culture, all of us coming together. I think this has been a quite remarkable program, and uh, I thank you for participating. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.